Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Are funeral homes more haunted than other places? Do the so-called dead have superpowers? What exactly causes paranormal phenomena? Well, hello there and welcome to the 399th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben. And those weird and varied questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. Uh, but before we welcome our guest, let's do our weekly paranormal contest. So last week's question was, in what body of water would you find the monster known as the Ha-Ha? Well, believe it or not, somebody actually answered that correctly. The Altamaha River in Georgia, USA. Ha-Ha, or Altamaha-Ha, Alti for short, good lord has been reported for centuries and is supposed to live in the river or one of its many tributaries and apparently doesn't care who knows it. Sightings are frequent. It seems to be a plesiosaur-ish creature about 20 feet long, according to many witnesses. Others have speculated that it's just a really big fish, a sturgeon, musky, alligator gar, something like that. Alligator gar, pretty scary creatures. But this week's question is, what country in 1936 was a flying robot reported? So nail that and win a copy of Restless in Peace, a psychic mortician's encounter with those who refuse to rest by tonight's guest. Huh. It rhymed. <laughs> so we do welcome callers this evening. The numbers are locally or from Canada, 401-766-1240, or from anywhere in the U.S., 401-449-1240. Well, Mariah Delacroix is described as, quote, a sensitive, intuitive, spirit, and animal empath and medium, unquote. She is the author of Restless in Peace, which uh, John, I should say Ben just referred to. Oh, dear. Long day. Uh, a memoir, it is a memoir for supernatural run-ins with various phenomena while working as a cremationist and embalmer in various funeral homes. Today, Mariah, quote, offers messages of hope and healing from the other side and teaches others how to interact with spirits, unquote. She resides in Phoenix, Arizona, where I'm sure it's a lot warmer than it is here. Indeed. Her website, www.ladymariah.com, that's lady, M-A-R-I-A-H.com. So, Mariah De La Croix, welcome to Behind the Paranormal. Hi, it's an honor to be here, and I've been looking forward to chatting with you. As have we with you. Indeed. So, Mariah, let's uh, get right to the chase, as they mm-hmm. say. Uh, your book has many interesting stories, uh, some of which are really touching. So let's avoid talking about theory for now and mention a few stories. Uh, can you tell us about the funeral directors uh, who were still working? Uh, in the chapter of the director still at work, yes, uh, many times uh, they would appear still at the job, some in the prep room, some actually helping out with uh, um, families who were bereaved and grieving, so they would show up quite often. Still very de- dedicated to their work. So I'm going to assume that they're deceased. Oh, yes. All right, well, we're going to get into that, but... Okay, well we're we're gonna go we're gonna keep going with this. How about um Miss or Mr. Silhouette rather? Oh, the silhouette, the entity. Indeed. Yeah. Uh huh. Kind of yeah, a negative he, thing there. Yeah, I never really picked up that he was or had been a living human being at any time. It was more like he was just something very dark, very nasty, very uh, confrontational that would also make people sick to their stomachs. Interesting. You know, sometimes we've gone into cases and gotten dizzy and, you know, you felt kind of nauseous. 
Yeah, and then I stopped eating them. meat, and then I was a happy camper. Yeah, interesting. Well, so there you go. Here I'm a silhouette, just don't eat meat. I guess, yeah. Okay. So, so why would these people be hanging around a funeral home? It sounds like a dumb question to ask, but I have to ask I don't it. think it's a dumb oh, question. I don't think it's a dumb question at all, because when I went into See? the funeral industry, especially since I had uh, communicated with and experienced spirits all of my life, I figured that because other people said, uh, why would a spirit want to hang around in a funeral home or a crematory or, or a cemetery? You know, it's depressing there. Oy. And I didn't think they would be there either, but... Uh, they're there for as many different reasons as they are anywhere. Well, it's interesting, you know, because now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes here, as, as the cliche goes. But uh, people often ask, and I, I think I know the answer to this because one of my best friends growing up always wanted to be a funeral director, and he, he ended up one. I even went to his funeral, right? And, uh uh, it, but his only question was, gee, I wonder what sort of, when he was a young man, he thought, gee, I wonder what sort of, of, of woman would marry a funeral director. So <laughs> things like that would come up. What, why did you opt for that uh, that career, which is a very important one, certainly? Well, thank you. Um, I had uh, had a business where I took care of people's homes for 23 years. And um, when the economy went on a downturn, I wanted to go into school and get a degree and kind of apply everything that I had learned over life. And this was when I was in my 40s. And uh, so someone had suggested that I go into the uh, mortuary business, and I didn't even know that we had a mortuary school that was local. And so I called them, uh, called the head of the department, and within about 45 minutes of talking to him, I was hooked and then just on the road to it, going to school full-time, and working uh, two part-time jobs. So it was uh, kind of hard there, especially the last year. But uh, oh, yeah, I loved yeah. every minute of it. The old, old story. Well, we have a, a right near, well, uh, right outside Boston here, we have a, uh, a school at Mount Ida College, and it's the, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but we, we were lecturing there, at least I was, before Ben got involved. And half the, the I got a kick out of half the, the students in the audience being uh, uh, students to become funeral directors, so. Uh-huh. But anyway, okay, well, let, let's get into some, some uh, of the, the gravy here. Um, okay, Mariah, now I'm, I'm still reading your book. I've almost finished it, and I'm enjoying it very much. Okay. It's, it's quite well written, and that's coming from a person who, I'm a professional editor, so uh, I was, um, so, so anyway, that, that's, the, that's the pat on the back. Uh, now, I, I never worked in a funeral home, but I've had a number of experiences very much like what you described. Uh, and some of your cases really grabbed me because I said, hey, I, you know, I'm, I've been through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but by the late 1970s, uh, my interpretation of them had become somewhat different than the conclusions you maybe have reached. Now, you describe, let's start with this. You describe footsteps, knocking, coughing, sniffling, laughter, electrical devices turning on and off, mm-hmm. uh, even receiving a sol- shoulder massage at one point. Oh, yes. Uh, these are all very physical events. What makes you think these were spirits in the sense of human beings without bodies? Um, because of the connection with them, the feeling that I got from them. I get a different feeling when it's a living than when it's an entity or something more dark and nasty, shall we say. Oh, no, I don't want me to think these were spirits at all, of any kind. Um, just because I've interacted with them ever since I was a child. Okay, well, maybe I should explain further. 
Um, and and I'll, I will say ours is very mu- most people believe as you do. Ours is very much a minority opinion, so we certainly could be wrong. Uh, but from our viewpoint, in the paranormal trenches, and I've been working on this for 42 years, mm-hmm. we see quantum mechanics in action, specifically the multiple worlds interpretation of it. Mm-hmm. In other words, what people refer to as ghosts, uh, in, in our opinion, are not the remnants of dead people. They're the actual people, bodies and all, manifesting from parallel worlds where they never died and where the laws of physics and the state of awareness and the general circumstances can be very different. Now, it's a funny thing to get your mind around, but once you do, uh, at least I began to understand what was going on in my work. You know, just consider the question, without our bodies, are we fully human? Are we our complete selves? Personally, I don't think so. What say you? Well, I understand what you're saying. You're talking about the quantum mechanic things and the dimensional things. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I've read into that, and um, I think that eventually, as we work more through quantum mechanics and physics and, and the dimensional things, I think we'll have an answer mm. that, that is definitive, that's something we can put on paper and that we can um, uh, test out. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, they're just spirits of people who have lived before. So, well, see, so well, I think we're on yeah. the same line, just kind of on different pages. Do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I yeah. think, you know, the, the uh, nobody's denying these things happened. I mean, we're assuming, I mean, there's no, uh, yeah, you're, you're, you come across as very down-to-earth person, feet on the ground. I've worked in psychiatric hospitals uh, as a student specifically to tell who's nuts and who's in the para- involved in paranormal problems, and sometimes they're mixed, you know. But you you sound like a very, uh, very uh, no-nonsense person, uh, very articulate, etc. So uh, it's not that, that these things, uh, we're questioning these things happen, but I, I think well, the real essence of why I get into this was if people understand it, they don't have to be afraid of it. Exactly. Or at least they can understand what they should be afraid of and what they shouldn't be afraid of. So that's why exactly. we get into this end of it anyway. But we, uh, I don't know, but I think to, to approach it in certain ways really can transform your understanding of it, can help you deal more with it. And I'll, I'll give you an example later anyway. Um, so uh, I, obviously there's this, there are some, some questions here about what this, this really is. Um, let me give you an example from my past. I'd like to get your comment on it, Mariah, sure. on this. Uh, this. It hit me right between the eyes as soon as I read your doorman experience, which is in mm-hmm. the first chapter of Restless in Peace. Now, your information was that this was a rather pleasant deceased fellow who had been a doorman, and he was hanging around the funeral home waiting for his wife to pass through. Okay? Right. Now, I don't quite get the ontology there or the logistics of how such a thing would work, but we'll leave that for now. Uh, I did run into very much the same thing, though, and I thought you might be interested in hearing it. This was in a hospital where I was doing uh, pastoral work as a seminary student during the summer of 1976. There was a particular corridor in one of the wards where there was a strong male presence. And uh, doors would open and close. There would be odd breezes, footsteps, someone clearing his throat, much like you experienced. Uh, Staff members didn't like to be there alone during the night. Uh, There were patients on this ward, but they always seemed jumpier in there, too, compared with most people. So, you know, at least that's what it seemed to me. Now, the church authorities were none too friendly toward my paranormal work, so I kept what happened next a close secret. I didn't let on anything anything about being able to pick up presences or tell who they were or whatever, because that was going on all the time. I didn't dare say anything. Right. As it was, they threw me out a year before a nation because of this anyway, but <laughs> at least I got most of the training. Uh, anyway, one of the patients on that ward said she was a medium, 
and told me all about the ghost of a man who was sort of hanging around that corridor waiting for his wife to come through. And because naturally, when you wrote that, it jumped right out at me. <laughs> and then he said, so he could, quote, take her home. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, she said that she could even see him when they talked. Now, the natural assumption that most people would make was that the guy was dead, the wife wasn't dead yet, but would die there in the hospital, and that he would joyfully escort her to the ubiquitous other side in the good old spiritualist tradition. Okay, fine. But I had already learned that nothing in the paranormal is what it appears to be, and things can be spoken of by someone on one, quote, side, and heard in an entirely different context by the one on the other side. Uh, The better part of the iceberg is always below the surface. That was my opinion, still is. Now, I never seek out paranormal entities, so I did something I had already done twice before, and I still didn't understand any of this quantum stuff at the time, if if that's what it's about. It was a tiny chapel conveniently conveniently located that very corridor right next to the room where the medium was. There, uh, after the visitors were gone, the staff was at a minimum, I waited for this guy to come to me. Now, because the staff saw me going down to the chapel, I figured, well, I'm a seminarian, I must be praying, right? Well, yeah, I kind of was, but... I, I kind of I, I never seek out these things because I think a lot of them are dangerous, but um, I kind of waited for this guy to me. It took a couple of hours in a meditative state, but he did show up. Now, two days and several visits to the chapel later, once I got through this thick accent, I often find that these they don't speak English or, or there's, a, there's a language problem of some other kind or uh, this sort of thing. But this guy was speaking English, but in a very odd accent I could never place. I found the guy was human was waiting for his wife, and did plan to take her home. But mm-hmm. he was, according to what I got, he was waiting for his wife at a railway station in a place I never heard of in the year, so he said, 1437. Obviously, I think a parallel, unless I was being lied to, a parallel world where the timeline had modern railroads operating in their 15th century. The physics of this world were such that rubbing elbows with people like me from other parallel worlds wasn't all that unusual. Because I've gone into these things before and I've had them become terrified of me because they thought I was a ghost. So I guess it all depends on how broadly you interpret all this. I mean, we assume that our ideas about it are gospel, but they're not, especially when we encounter worlds that have very different laws. So had I not broadened out at least what I think is my perspective on this and you know, then, then I, I definitely would have picked up, assumed the guy was dead and a spirit and was waiting for his wife to pass through, because that's what he said. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, can you, I, I don't know, am I going wrong here? What What's going on here, do you think? What's going on there with yours is um, uh, somebody who was confused. <laughs> or maybe I was the, the one who mul- was confused. Maybe definitely the multidimensional thing. Yeah. You know, I'm not closed, uh, closed off to the thinking of the multidimensional multidimensional uh, aspects of things. Definitely not. In fact, when I do experience something, I'm always trying to find the logical explanation for why it's happening first. You know, uh, an air conditioner kicking on, causing a door to move. Oh, of course. Oh, that goes without saying. I always go with the logical thing first. And then when I've ruled that out, then I start opening up the, the intuitive feelings and letting that uh, give me information. And then if I pick up something that's off color, uh, I believe that my guardians or, or who have you give me that red flag warning and I go, whoa, okay, I've got to watch this a little bit differently. Otherwise, if it is what I would call a spirit of a human being, 
I deal with them as I would with anybody else, with uh, not being rude to them and, and being polite and being kind and also, in some cases, compassionate. So, um, you know, I think it's how we, how we view things, but I, I'm not one to throw away the possibility in many cases of the multidimensional quantum yeah. physics type thing. Well, certainly, regardless of the explanation, compassion and respect are everything. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, as a matter of fact, we've we've uh, tried experiments. I don't know if if this is really a good idea, but we have the entities, the negative entities, and we refer to them as parasites. We think they're life forms who f- who feed upon us and whatever. You know, the folklore calls them demons and this sort of thing. But we have a yeah, lot of experience with them. Yeah, they definitely do. Most, yeah. most definitely, they want to feed off of you, and they'll feed off of your fear. Yeah, they're hungry and they're hostile. I yeah. found that out the hard way in a poltergeist case. I got angry at one. Holy mackerel. It was, we had to leave the house. But in any case, yeah, th- that, that's the thing. So, uh, so th- but that's really not what we're talking about tonight. We're talking about more, more the, uh, the human presences that you yourselves have felt. But I just want people to realize that, and, and I'm sure you do too, that you have to be really careful about what you're dealing with because, you know, there, there's plenty of, there are plenty of lies out there, you know. Oh, definitely, yes. So you have to be better. able to attune yourself to, uh, the energies that try to mask themselves as children mm-hmm. to to talk to our softer maternal and paternal sides, and uh, you have to have that little inbuilt uh, red flag that goes up that says, "Uh, uh-uh. uh, no, 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 this isn't what it appears to be." That's right. Pay pay attention to your feelings. Yeah, you can't play with them. Indeed. So, speaking of the doorman, in your book, he seems to have uh, superpowers. He knows that his wife is going to die soon, and he seems to see all and hear all. He knows what awaits on the quote-unquote other side. So, uh, we have problems with that idea, as you can plainly tell. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, as soon as you it's die... It's kind you... of like he had a glimpse into it, but he wouldn't share it with me. And that was fine. <laughs> well... Uh, uh, continuing on, there seems to be this notion that as soon as you die, you become some sort of uh, super being that automatically knows everything or gets glimpses into stuff. So what's the uh, story on that? Well, I don't know if he would really be a super being. He was just there at the door. And he had the strength of any normal human being that would have that would have the door. Letting yeah, you're talking about the, the door of, of this uh, of the room that is in the story. Mm-hmm. In case people think you're referring to something, uh, you know, other no, it's the door world, of yeah, rhetorically room. or something. Yeah, a yeah. massive door that weighs a lot. Because you, you had sort of a tug of war at one point. with. Yeah, a little tug of war. And I knew there was no reason I should have had a tug of war. What do you think of this idea? Uh, sure. We've looked at this, of course, for many years. And uh, the, the idea that, that we suggest is that, very often it's not, quote, the ghost, maybe in your case, but, but I'm speaking in general, the ghost moving the chair or the ghost throwing the thing off the shelf or something like that. People always blame, you know, the ghost or the entity. We have found, I've found over many years that very often what appears to be just simply the energy that allows these things to manifest can itself change the laws of time and space, really. And that very, and I always use the uh, the metaphor somebody running down the hallway and you know you you cause the a, a draft or a breeze mm-hmm. which can blow papers off the table. You yourself have not done that, but the energies you've created or that are present in your presence um, have, have done that. So um, obviously in, in that story it looks as though something somebody really was fooling around with the door. But in general, do you, have you run into cases where you 
think it might be just energies that are doing this rather than an, uh, an entity or a person? <clears throat> no, oh, they're doing a basic physical things. Oh, yeah, just normal stuff that happens. You know, like a, a truck can go by and something can, you know, jar in your house and suddenly a picture fall off your wall. That's nothing paranormal. That's just, you know, somebody with bad truck tires. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, exactly. Well, I'm suggesting it can be paranormal but not caused by a particular individual. Um, I know that when uh, my daughter was entering puberty, um, someone had said we had a poltergeist in the house. And I said, I've heard that, too. I've seen that, too. And things, doors were opening and closing, slamming. And just things were falling off the shelf. And come to find out, it was her. It was her angst. You know, that normal uh, prepubescent confusion and anger and... Uh, just not knowing, you know, what her body's doing one moment and the next, that type of thing. She's the one who set that up. And once I had a talk with her, all of it calmed down. And even though she tried to sit there and go, Mom, it's not me. I'm not doing this. I went, yes, it is. <laughs> mm. And then it all calmed down. How come that happens with some teens and not others? I don't know. <laughs> That's a good well, question. Well, I think I do, but <laughs> this is you're the, you're the guest. <laughs> anyway, I'll, I'll drop that and go on to the next point. Um, I, I, I love this doorman. i got to keep talking about the doorman. Um, I love him, too. I have to point out that the doorman story ends rather beautifully, uh, maybe a little maudlin, but with, with the one who apparently was the doorman's wife dying, going through that very funeral home. And there was the flower incident you described, which was beautiful, mm -hmm. and, and the, the beautiful dreams you yourself had about the two of them. So the next is kind of a philosophical question based on sure. that. What does all this mean for things like till death do us part and reincarnation, unless we have these parallel lives? Well, in this particular case with the doorman, it was, to me, just a perfect picture of love, that they were true soulmates in the best uh, form that we can think of that, and um, they just waited and appreciated people who were thinking positively for them. Um, and um, in regards to past lives, um, we have to realize that the soul is different from the spirit. The soul is that which contains all of the knowledge of every life that we've ever lived, while the conscious spirit is exactly that, the consciousness, and that's what either moves on or walks on, or walks on the earth. Well, I think what I'm getting at, Mariah, is with the first question is, till death do us part. In, in the West, most religions believe that marriage ends at death. The only ones who don't that I know of are, and there could be others, are the Eastern Orthodox Christians, who of course don't think like Westerners, and to them, you know, love and marriage go on forever, but in the, in the Western marriage ceremonies, it's always to death, to, to, until death do us part. These and people- And ceremony that's devised by man. Oh, sure. So, okay, well, you know, that's, so th that's, that's not, not really, really a, the case then. It's not a spiritual sense. It's just something that's written down on paper. When two people have a connection, uh, whether it's a soul connection or an energy connection or how somebody wants to look at it in that view, um, that overrides things that are written by man. Well, what if she had married someone else in, in, in good spirit and good heart? Well, she hadn't. Okay, well, a lot of people have. Yeah, a lot of people have, yeah. but... And a lot of people will lose somebody and marry somebody because they're 
deceased spouse wanted them to do that so they wouldn't be alone, but still in their heart they yep, loved the original yep. person. Yeah. Well, questions we can't answer, I guess, for sure. Um, and also the, the issue of um, what I'm referring to with the reincarnation thing, which we don't really believe in either, not in the classical sense, is that uh, I've always had the question, if classical reincarnation is true, which of course is uh, death and then a, a short transition generally, and then, then rebirth, why are there so many, quote, old ghosts, unquote, and one theory, and, and I think it, it's it's almost like physics, you know, you sort of... A, if, if there's no answer, people sort of invent something to make there be an answer. But and maybe I do that too. I don't know. But wh- what do you think about that? I mean, wh- why do these people have some sort of sort of control over this spirit existence, if that's what it is? I mean, how come they don't reincarnate or whatever it is that the spiritualists believe they do? Well, if you want to look at it from the the scientific uh, quantum mechanics type of thing and the dimensional thing, maybe there's an energy imprint like a, a residual energy. Yeah, we were just talking about that. behind. Yeah. And uh, that is what we're picking up in many cases, men, sometimes, unless they react with you. And then, of course, with the, with the soul moving on, they have to do that until they learn everything that their soul is meant to learn. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the common belief, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, Ben, go ahead. Get another... Uh, well then, I guess I do have another question now, don't I? Uh-huh. Um, I know uh, that experience, not investigation, is the theme of uh, Restless in Peace, but at, at any rate, uh, we're, are, were any of these funeral homes checked out for things that can encourage paranormal experiences? I mean, you, you mentioned um, infrasonics, like from ACs and things like that, like high-voltage wires nearby, or anything like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, many of them were checked out. In really? fact, okay. the chapter of Charlie, uh, the gentleman that likes to talk over the uh, speakers, mm. um, everything was rewired. Things were checked out like you wouldn't believe because other people did hear it. They wondered, who's in there talking all the time? You know, things like that. And uh, uh, even with power off, completely off, and everything unplugged, he would still communicate through the uh, microphone, All or right. at least through the speakers, and I felt that he was standing by the microphone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Funny, the electrical stuff always comes into play. It's uh, We have theories on that, too. But anyway, we're going to take a commercial break, and you are listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and onworldwide.com in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Romeo Berthiam inviting you to join me every Saturday morning from 6 to 9 for the Saturday Show. This all-request program includes music, news, sports, weather, and all sorts of community announcements. And what a great way to start your weekend. Join me this Saturday morning. Owen Radio! Owen Worldwide! And we wanted to tell you, of course, I don't have to tell you, that uh, gift-giving time is coming near. So we want to point out a tremendous gift uh, for just about anybody, young and old, and of course that is the Kindle Fire from Amazon. And you can find out about this at Amazon.com, Staples, Toys R Us, <clears throat> many stores carry it now. Is the Kindle Fire HD, the ultimate HD experience. You can get 22 million or more movies, apps, games, books, including four of my books, 
and check it out. So at the Kindle Fire, and you can you can go just to uh, uh, the uh, lower end model and and uh, pay as little as seventy nine dollars for one of the Kindles that, of course, will give you lots of books. And you simply download the material onto the Kindle, and there you have it. It's a wonderful gift, as I say, for young and old. And check it out again, Staples and Toys R Us, Kindle and Kindle Fire. Also check out Amazon.com. And there we are. So we are back. Boom. <laughs> Here with our marvelous guest, Mariah well, Delacroix. Not like we left. I mean, we're still well, no, here. but you got to pretend you're getting back from the commercial. Like in the in the Coast Guard, we'd say break, break, and then start the new message. But anyway, so anyway, let's uh, sort of return to the theme here. Yeah, and we were talking about the electrical phenomenon of one of the uh, entities that were people who was involved in this uh, funeral home here that uh, Mariah was working in and experienced. And uh, just pointing out that we very often find that these things sort of hover around electrical energy and i've seen particularly even parasites feeding on electrical energy so when we investigate a case one of the first questions is what how what is your electric bill been lately has it been higher than usual and people almost always will say funny you should say that it's been enormous skyrocketing so so that's an interesting phenomenon and plumbing and water so uh, the next question of course mariah is uh, along with the electrical uh, phenomena have you noticed any entities that are in the book or not who sort of were um, around plumbing, water, that sort of thing? Um, not that are mentioned in the book, but in my own home, every once in a while, I hear the uh, sound of the hose running. Oh. And so my husband and I, when we hear that, we'll go look to see if we've got a broken pipe or if a hose bib has broken off or something like that. And when we find out that everything is supposed to be as it is and nothing's awry, then... We sit there and go, okay, what's up? And sometimes we find it's just a warning or something to put us on alert about something else that's coming up later or later in the day or that's going to happen. Well, we may not yeah, know that, what we're supposed to be looking for, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> well, that's certainly possible. In our opinion, these the the universe, the whole multiverse universe, whatever you want to call it, is like Swiss cheese. These things are happening all the time unless you're – refrigerators flying across the kitchen you generally don't notice it but it is the normal state of of the planet apparently and you know you put your keys down you turn around and they're gone and this sort of thing it's not, i don't think in most cases some ghost has taken the keys it's just that there are holes in space time that that's how it works and there are reasons for that and it's a, it's a rather elegant system actually but to us it can be kind of annoying so uh, but sure i see uh, i see your point uh, now there is um, there is a school of thought, Mariah, that the percipient and or the investigator can project energy and actually cause phenomena from time to time, especially with temperature and electrical devices. Uh, could you, as a powerful psychic, which we haven't talked about yet, have been the cause of some of the phenomena in the book? Do you think? I often wondered about that um, because I might be thinking about something and suddenly I would uh, notice every once in a while that something similar to what I was thinking about happened. But um, when it did happen was always when I was focused on something else. Oh, that's interesting because I've noticed the same thing. Yeah, I would be focused either on taking care of a family, the needs of a family, uh, trying to get uh, a deceased dress or in the casket or, you know, something where my focus is right on that and then something else would happen. Yeah, interesting, because we... uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. 
the very first time, because I went into the funeral business and thinking, I'm not going to experience anything here. It is too depressing here. Um, <clears throat> the very I had been working at night oh, about two times, and I was doing uh, paperwork for my manager. I was into a new field. I wanted to make sure that everything I did was right that I didn't misfile everything or anything at all, and I wanted to make sure that all my T's were crossed and I's were dotted. And funeral homes are like a labyrinth of rooms, hallways, corridors, chapels, offices. You can get lost in them very easily. And so with the lights out, I did get lost. The second night I was there doing paperwork, and um, I was so engrossed in the paper and thinking, okay, this has to go on this person's desk. This has to go on this person's desk. I heard a voice, a male voice, say to me, well, Mariah, turn right here. Turn left here. Turn right here. And then as I crossed into the office, I said, thank you. But then I lifted my head up and I went, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be alone in here. And I looked down the hallway, which was dark, and there was a glowing image of somebody there and I had said thank you, and he bowed his head as if to say you're welcome, and then just floated off down the other direction. Glowing, huh? Yeah. How would you account for that? Do you think this was a human or, or some guardian? He sure looked glowing to me, and I, whether he was a guardian or not, I just thanked him for being there, and I, that's when I learned, well, I was wrong. Spirits are in the funeral home, whether it's a guardian or uh, a spirit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, again, whether they're spirits is debatable. But anyway, they are. Yeah, I guess I get your point. Certainly they are there. But it's funny you bring up the point about uh, things happening when you're not really paying attention. It's uh, sort of, um, uh, I guess, a, a, a given among people who do investigations. And we don't encourage people to do that, by the way. I just happen to walk into it in the seminary and yeah, I doing it ever since. Yeah, I don't encourage it either. Good. Uh, and, and, but you do notice that things happen very suddenly when you don't expect them. Uh, really, you know, you, if, if you, for example, in a poltergeist case, if I'm looking at a chair, that, that chair will never be the one thrown across the room. It's always <laughs> kind of a surprise. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And so that's kind of thing. And also, the, the more you analyze and put thought into it, the more wrong you probably are. Yeah, the more you screw it up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, Ben is te- has taught me that because with my background, I was always sort of very academic and scholarly, and Ben is more... Uh, seat of the pants and shaman type guy, and he uh, he's I've learned a lot from him in that regard. But uh, okay, let's um, go into let's get out of the funeral home now and go into your your work as a. Is, are you do you consider yourself a psychic medium or just a psychic or just a medium or what? I just consider myself an empathic medium. Okay, well, how, what exactly? How would you define that? That type of thing. All right, how would you define empathic medium? Um, I feel them. I feel the message that they're trying to get across. I yeah. feel the emotion that they're trying to uh, get across. And sometimes when I am reading for somebody, I will actually get up and I will begin to pace. And, That's fine. Um, That's exactly what I, I do. I will begin to feel their emotion. Yeah. And I will, if I'm talking to somebody over the phone, um, I'll let them know that I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that, I'm feeling words come through. And... Um, then sometimes I will begin to see things, and I'll I'll let them know what I'm seeing, and um, it, it's seen in the mind's eye, and then those will be the connections and the confirmations that I'll be able to give some people. 
That's really interesting because that's I don't consider myself a psychic or a medium at all. I don't think I, I don't know because we don't really think on that level. But right, th- that is exactly pretty much what happens to me when, when uh, for example, dealing with this man in the hospital or the other stories we've we've mentioned on the air, the things that have happened. Uh-huh. Um, I uh, I feel the responses and the answers, but we do have verbal conversations. And uh, you know, heaven forbid, if anybody, <laughs> I'm sitting in a mental hospital talking to myself. <laughs> but hey, it's all uh, right if you can't talk to yourself. Who can you talk? to? That's right. There you so go. well, apparently the, these strange guys waiting for their wives at railroad stations in other worlds are really that's what this appeared to be. So it's uh, that's very interesting. We could be siblings. So in any case, um, <laughs> it's very interesting. Uh, but your bio says that you help people interact with spirits. Now I get that, but our point of view is always that you know if 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 you are in a situation and you uh, the paranormal comes to you. Uh, for example, if you're in a house where things are happening, or if you're in a forest where things are happening, where that's one thing. But if you, um, but our problem is with these, uh, you know, so-called ghost hunters and stuff that are self-appointed experts, read books by other self-appointed experts, get out there mm-hmm. and seek it out. Yeah, when really there are no experts, we're all kind absolutely. of absolutely. We're all kind of, you know, testing the water on this, and and we all have our own different experiences and our our own ways of verbalizing it. Very true. Very true. But what would you say to people who do that? I mean, I think that they're doing something that's very reckless and very dangerous. What? Uh, and I, I, you seem to agree. Um, in many cases, I do. And when people get in contact with me, it will be because they have felt that there's something in their house, and I will talk to them about what they're feeling, help them um, cleanse it themselves, help them... Uh, if, it, if it's not somebody that's bothering them, help them realize that if we are, as you, you say, if we are doing, dealing with spirits, which is what I feel, of the uh, deceased human beings, then if they were kind in life, they're no different in death. And so if somebody contacts me and says, I think my grandmother's around, but I'm a little nervous because she's a ghost. I'll go, were you nervous about your grandmother when she was alive? No, I wasn't. Then you shouldn't be nervous about your grandma now. Maybe she's imparting uh, wisdom to you in some way. Maybe she's just around to let you know she's around. Maybe she's uh, there or her energy is there to give you like a quote-unquote psychic hug or something like that to make you feel better. So that's how I help them learn how to deal with what they're living with. Mm. I don't encourage people to try to talk to a spirit that isn't willing to talk to them. Um, I just don't. I'd let them know if a spirit wants to talk to you, and if you've known that person, that's one thing. But if you try to force that spirit to do it, that spirit may not want to do it. Maybe that spirit is at rest. Maybe that spirit has something it has to deal with on its own. You're not helping it. So you agree with us, no seances, no Ouija boards? No, you're right. Yeah, I do. Yeah, Yeah. Good. no seances, no Ouija board. Right. That's it. The sledgehammer tactics can really backfire on you. Oh, yeah. Have you ever been wrong in, in, in cases like that? No, is it what you thought it was something it turned out to be something else? Rare. Okay, can you remember an example? Um, I mean, you don't have to if you don't want. It. Just it's just a question. I, if something doesn't come through clear, 
then I don't give it. If something's right there in my face that says, oh, you've got a person's name here, you've got an incident, you've got, uh, um, uh, if it comes through just as clear as a bell, then I give it. But if it doesn't, I hold back on it. Okay. I've picked up, uh, I did have uh, several people contact me to find out if their missing loved one was deceased. And even if I felt that person was, either logically or spiritually, I don't tell them that. Uh, could, you, could you explain that again? Um, you don't tell them... I don't tell them if their loved one is passed. Okay. I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't they know, unless you're dealing with missing people? If they, if they come to ask, they usually know within their own feeling. Parents know. Yeah, yeah. You know, they just, they just get that feeling. But they want to hold on to hope. And the way I look at it is that they need to hold on to that hope in order to heal. And they need the definitive evidence. They don't need someone saying, yes, your son has passed on and um, he's in the beyond. They don't, uh, uh uh-uh. That's yeah. kind of like the table tipping type thing, and yeah, I, I yeah. just don't go with that. Huh? Okay, so, so I'm just try, what I'm trying to get at here is: uh, Do you deal with people whose whose children or, or who, whose loved ones are, are missing? You know, kidnapped or just disappeared? Or because uh, the reason I ask is because we uh, Rare. W- worked with a book uh, with with uh, some people who were a, a group of psychics. A lot of them from your area, as a matter of fact, in the Arizona mm-hmm. region. Who uh, had work, specifically work with missing people, and they work with with the police. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- that's why what what you said sort of rang a bell. So, um, but 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 they they will tell people whether the person is, and maybe they'll usually identify where the body might be, or if the person hasn't passed on, then they'll identify where they are, and usually they're right. So it's quite impressive. But mm-hmm. okay, very interesting. Um, have you encountered? Um, and this isn't really being wrong, entities who pretend to be other entities. In other words, entities who pretend to be human and are not. Yeah, a couple of them. Maybe like Mr. Silhouette in a way, I yeah, suppose. Yeah, like the Silhouette yeah. in the parlor, yeah. Okay. What about, I suppose, what might be un- unclassifiable entities in the sense of, well, the reason I ask is we, working in the multiverse perspective that we do, we run into many kinds of life forms during cases who aren't really classifiable as they're certainly not human, they're not evil, they're not parasites, they're they're not uh, sort of um, certainly not Bigfoot or aliens or anything, but they're just other friends and neighbors from nearby who uh, very often have the same concerns as we do. Do you ever run into something that's not human but not evil is the point? I think so, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you get to know them at all, or, or do you bother uh, them? A little bit. Yeah, okay. Mostly that would be what I call elemental. Oh, okay. Well, that, that's a good old traditional term. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I want to give you a chance right now before we go on, so we don't forget about it, to talk about your book and your website, et cetera, and let people know where they can get it. Well, my book is available through the publisher directly. That's Llewellyn Worldwide. And it's also available on Amazon.com as well as BarnesandNoble.com. It's in uh, many bookstores uh, throughout the country, um, and I also have my website of LadyMariah.com, 
where uh, people can uh, order readings of various different kinds. And um, I also have two blogs. Uh, one is, uh, sure, uh, mariahsvisions.blogspot.com, and the other is mariahsquietcorner.blogspot.com. Okay, good. All right, now, uh, did you have a question, man? No, I'm good, thanks. Okay. Uh, let, this is something we ask almost everyone because sure. we find that the paranormal is very broad and it's never just one place or whatever. Have you ever had um, a UFO experience or a cryptid experience or any other, other kind of paranormal experience that may have been connected with or even not connected with any of the things you describe? Connected with, no. Mm-mm. Okay, all right. Because we, we, we all find... like to sit in the backyard in the evening and look at the sky and wonder what's up there, that type of thing. Yeah, because were we in the funeral home with you uh, during some of those incidents, what we would have done was check out that place and also the entire area. Because uh, in our opinion, one possibility might be that the reason many of these things were manifesting there might have had to do with a high water table and sandy soil or clay soil, might have had to do with the geotechnics of the area. And I think if you, if we had, you know, were to go around to some of the neighbors and they would talk to us, they might find that uh, there were phenomena going on in their houses as well. Maybe they didn't talk about it to anyone. We found uh, whole areas where there were, there were, a number of quote haunted houses, but there were also people having UFO experiences. That we even found, I even found one one time when there was an abduction uh, going on and, and pre-abduction phenomena, like the blue beam phenomenon and all this stuff. We find that it, at least in our work, it is all connected. So um, I don't know, maybe I don't know if you uh, happen to uh, run into that situation again. You know, uh, look at the other possibilities, or you know, let us know and whatever. So. Uh, oh, definitely. Things like geopathic stress and things like that. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything is everything is connected. Mm-hmm. Now, I had, I had another question here, too, but we're going back to the funeral home to ask it. Uh, did people ever turn up in any of the funeral How many funeral homes did you work in? I know there was more than one. Quite a few. Okay. Did people ever turn up in the funeral homes who knew these these people, these, these ghosts? You mean the livings that knew the spirits? Yeah, yeah. Um... To, to your, the best of your recollection. Now, at my age, I can't remember what happened yesterday. Maybe, maybe you can. <laughs> I well, know you're there, not. Was, there were several uh, sensitives who would be members of the family okay. that uh, would let me know that they had conversed with their loved one after their loved one had passed. But then they would also tell me, Mariah, you know, you've got other spirits in this funeral home. Yeah. And I don't want to talk to them, but they all know you. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Uh, like uh, in the one where, uh, with the director still at work, uh, the gal that I referred to as Sue, she, you know, let me know that there was a spirit in the embalming room. And most definitely, that was, the that older was lady playing that, with the radio yeah. and everything else. Yeah. So. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, very good. Okay. Well, uh, do you have any questions for us? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ben, last chance. Well, I had something, but then I forgot. Gosh, I'm the old guy here. It's Monday. It's Monday. Oh, come okay. on, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Give me, give me a second. I'll, th- I'll, I'll remember it. Uh, All right. Okay. Well, anyway. Uh, again, oh yeah, I don't, I don't remember what it was. Oh, um, good. Have you ever been on investigations with like paranormal groups or something like that? Did we cover that? Because I don't remember. No, not really. That. No. Yeah. Have you ever done that? No. 
Oh, okay, well, that was easy. That was no, probably a yeah, wise thing easy, on, on Mariah's it? part. <laughs> yeah. Okay, very good. Well, Mariah, it's been a real pleasure. Very interesting conversation. We didn't agree on anything, but hey, that's how you learn, right? So um, thank you for being with us. And again, the book, Restless in Peace, Mariah Delacroix. It's, it sounds like you're from New Orleans with a lovely French name like that. It's a family name. Very good. Okay, yeah. well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll be in touch off the air. All right. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a very enjoyable. I've loved chatting with you. Very good. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Mariah Delacroix, everybody. Restless in Peace is the book. I think we have time for an email or two, because last night on our CBS edition, we did not get anywhere near all of our, our emails. Uh, okay. Let's, um, all right, well, here's one. This is from Matt in Binghamton, New York. Okay, so Matt writes to us. Hi, guys. I love the show. Paul, I am always interested in what you have to say about exorcism. Hey, we, we went over this one last night. Did we? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, we didn't really go over it in depth. Oh, so that, that's the one we said we we're going to get back to in another show. Because Did we? we? Yeah. Because okay, we, we well, anyway, really Matt goes on to say, uh, my question is, can someone be possessed and not know it? How many cases go undiagnosed? And also, why does exorcism work sometimes and not all the time? Is it a religious matter? Yeah, because we never even got to that last part of the nope. question. Okay. We attempted to. I, I tried to force it in in the middle of your topics, yeah. which is... All right. Can someone be possessed and not know it? Actually, Matt, I don't think so. We've said a number of times when we're talking about this phenomenon that um, there has to be, and I've always seen in working with these cases, that there has to be a, a sort of a tacit agreement on the part of the victim. And you know, the example I always use is from fiction, but nevertheless, I think it comes from folklore, and folklore is always based on some grain of truth somewhere. Yeah. When you look at uh, the story Dracula and Jonathan Harker, the poor sap from England who's coming to stay with the, the, the dear Count in Transylvania, is at the door, and the Count comes to the door and says, enter of your own free will. You have to say it with the accent. Enter of your own free will. Uh, there. Uh, uh, uh. Then he so, counted. Right, then, then he counted. Yes. Anyway, uh, th- that way you, you really sort of had to agree. Whatever He couldn't deliberately force you to come in. All right, now, because I don't think he gave his victims any choice, but that, that's the story. So th- that's the idea from folklore, that you really have to kind of be with it. And I found that in a number of cases where people are really we would, what we would consider victims, particularly young people, they initially at least like the attention they're getting. They're, you know, the house very often is full of people, you know, investigators and sometimes police uh, or firefighters or something like this, and, and they're kind of the center of attention. And when your life isn't so great, that can be a real turn-on for some people, to use a 1970s term. So I, I don't think people can really be uh, possessed uh, in in any sense without, in a way, kind of agreeing to it. Now, it does turn into some pretty awful stuff that I don't want to see again, but that that's that it is what it is. Uh, okay, so how many cases go undiagnosed? I think that um, quite a few do, and we're talking globally here. There are many cultures where you don't have what we have here in the sense of culture. Uh, in other words, you don't have uh, the Roman Catholic religion, or you don't have this or that uh, formula for exorcism, you don't have the beliefs that many of us have, and you have animism, and people have their own ways of dealing with these things that sometimes work, sometimes don't. I've been in Haiti and seen some of this stuff, and uh, I think there are quite a few that are not reported, go undiagnosed, or treated as mental illness. 
And one of the reasons I was working with exorcism in the old days was as a seminary student, and I was taking courses in, in uh, abnormal psychology to determine who is crazy, quote-unquote, and who is having a paranormal problem. And much to my chagrin, I found out that both can be true. Or, you know, and, and it's, or one or the other. They can be intertwined. So I think many cases, uh, go undiagnosed. And uh, also, uh, Matt asks, why does exorcism work sometimes and not all the time? Well, I saw that happen. There was one exorcism that was done on three, on the, the, the same person three times. And I think that very often it might not work, uh, on the surface because it is not what it appears to be and it is a mental illness. Uh, on the other hand, it can be uh, something that just is the, the particular entities involved do not respond to the particular religious approach. There is great power in many of the religious tools that are used, but that applies to some to many different religions, all depending on what the person believes. So I think there are a number of factors in why sometimes it works and why sometimes it doesn't work. Um, is it a, really a religious matter? Well, in a way, in that, in that religion can be a powerful tool and the, the it, it can excite in the person, in the victim, their own power. In other words, it's, if you're holding a cross up, that's good, that's important, but if the person is a Buddhist, this won't have that kind of, that much power for them. It isn't that these things have all this power in themselves. The power that they have, the, the symbol that, that they are, Connects with the power of the person's own mind and spirit, and will project. Well, together, th- that's what seems to do the trick. Other times, it doesn't work because that connection is not made. I think that's pretty much how how that is. I have seen teddy bears work for young children who were terrified of these entities, and that they were the best things that worked because that's what the child related to. So it's it's a very tricky matter. I hope I never see it again, and it's. Uh, one of those things that really needs to be uh, looked at very carefully and needs to be consulted upon. Now, the trouble is that many clergy, most clergy, do not have the training for this. This is a, People think they do, but in the seminary, uh, I was in the seminary for 10 years. Nobody brought this up. I'm told that in your final year, somebody says, well, hey, by the way, uh, and then there are certain clergy who are, particularly priests, who are trained uh, to handle this, but they are very few and far between, maybe one per diocese, and that, that's my experience with it anyway. So anyhow, that's um, that's how I would answer the question there, Matt, and uh, thank you for writing in. Okay, we do have an announcement that I want to make before we go off the air here, and this is from our associates at Raw Television in London, and this uh, they've asked us to uh, announce this. Uh, quote, have you witnessed something truly extraterrestrial? We're seeking subjects for the first season of a new TV show for a leading U.S. cable network. If you live in the USA and have had an extraterrestrial encounter, seen a UFO, been abducted, or witnessed something that has no rational terrestrial explanation, then please email us at encounters at hotmail.co.uk. Encounters at hotmail.co.uk. This is your chance to have our experts help explore your experience and bring that experience to a wider audience. Wouldn't our old friend Joe Ferrier have loved have loved that? Indeed. That's great. So, certainly watch for news of Necronomicon Providence, HP Lovecraft Convention next year. We'll be talking more about that. And uh, check out our site, BehindTheParanormal.com. 
And there are over 400 free podcasts of our shows available there. So many thanks to our producer, Ben himself. And next week, November 26th, when Ben and I uh, will welcome consciousness researcher Brett Luder for a discussion of what UFOs mean for human consciousness, something, again, our old friend Joe would have loved. All right, so on our regular CBS edition on November 25th, my dad and I will host a roundtable discussion on the latest paranormal news with several, uh, several, if you will, of our show's official reporters. So if you have any questions for us or for our guests, uh, get those emails in now at Ben at Behind the Paranormal or Paul at Behind the Paranormal. And we leave you this evening with a quote from that old darling Albert Einstein. A man should look for what is, not for what he thinks should be. Uh, well, we still have like 30 seconds. Oh, okay. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing fine. How good. are you? Okay. Very good. Well, we thank again uh, our, our guest, Mariah Delacroix, and I. We didn't agree on anything, but hey, a very interesting perspective, very articulate. Uh, it's always good idea. to have people with different perspectives on it. It is. We have to do that because people say we lecture the guests, or I do, and we present all points of view on this show, whether we agree with them or not. So. Indeed. So, on that note... Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.